along with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Nightmare. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another fine episode of Ghost Chronicles International. I am Ron Kolick, your host, the gatekeeper to the realm of the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable New England's own Van Helsink. With me all the way from across the pond, and he sounds like it, he is the gold standard in ghost hunting, the most reputable Stephen Parsons. But just a shame we can't say the same about the gold standard in Skype lately, isn't it? Yeah, I don't know what that is, but it's annoying. Yeah, American internet. Yeah. So, anyways, we got a great show today because I'm really excited about it. Uh, and so are... you should be. Yeah. We have yeah. an English king. Um, well, in fact, he's not just an English king. This is the thing. Oh, he's the, he's the king of the car park. No, he don't be disrespectful. He is the king of England. He is also the king of France and the Lord of Ireland. With his official titles. Really? Yeah. I thought he was the King of Leicester or the House of whatever. Don't be disrespectful. What? Isn't it Leicester? No, that is where, no, he was buried in a monastery in front of the altar. And then they dug him up, right? Yeah, and then they dug him up because the the, the monastery was destroyed by Henry Well, anyways, VIII. we're going to talk about this whole okay. thing. So, anyways, um, let's with start respect. off... Let's let's well let's, it depends what's disrespect. I'm just getting stuff off of your your channels from from England. So if it's disrespect, it's your people disrespecting them. They came up with the king of the car park thing. It wasn't me. Um, so anyway, they're probably they're probably Republicans. Uh, anyway, so anyways, we're going to start the uh, the show off uh, with a, a little tune about Richard, and and hopefully this will straighten out history. So uh, Casey, can we play that uh, tune, please? I was sure that you'd love me To that hope I did cling Cause I'm Richard III And everybody loves a king Thought I did a good job, why do you disagree? There's a lot of people spreading nasty rumors about me Every word is a lie, so I'm singing this song Cause the history books have been telling it wrong Never had a limp, always walked my full height Never had a hump and my arm was alright Never took the crown with illegal power Never killed my nephews, the princes in the tower Tudor propaganda, it's all absurd Time to tell the truth about King Richard III My brother Edward died His kids too young to rule So... I took the throne Why not? I'm nobody's fool 
Thomas More wrote a history, said I murdered Edward's boys. Shakespeare said their death was an evil ploy. But I say those two are historical vandals. They've ruined my image. I mean, what a scandal. Never bumped off those harmless young heirs. Never buried them under the Tower of London stairs. Never poisoned my wife. Bumped off her daddy. This is me, sweet Richard. Do I look like a baddie? Never was two-faced, sure you'll agree. I was misunderstood, King Richard III. Can you imagine it? I'm the last Plantagenet, beaten by Henry in the Wars of the Roses. The Tudor dynasty didn't care that much for me. Now I'm painted as a baddie, that's why one supporter. Never forget when you hear of my crimes. Never drowned my brother in a massive vat of wine. Never said a horse, my kingdom for a horse. Who made that up? Why, William Shakespeare, of course. Now my tale is told, you won't hear a bad word. About a special ruler, King Richard III. I'm a nice guy. Was it was, was it was, was it was. There you go. I've set that straight, haven't I? You set something in motion. <laughs> so, Steve, have you heard that before? I, I, I'm glad I haven't. <laughs> because it contains some inaccuracies, inevitably. Really? Well, that's, that's why, you know, I played it. Because, I mean, it's history that paints the picture. And, and we know now from uh, finding his body that there are some inaccuracies. So, I... Uh, I thought, you know, you, you, this is your boy, King Richard III. I mean, you are a protagonist or whatever the heck it's called. What do they call him? Uh, a supporter. No, 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 no. The, the house. Oh, oh uh, uh, sorry. Um, the official title is a Ricardian, actually, over here. Uh, we, oh. Uh, supporters of, you know, Richard are called Ricardians. Oh, I thought it was pro, pro cracker, whatever. Anyway. Probably. But it, we, we, you know. He was. He was. Um, he so, who was Richard Stephen from from your your point of view? Well, he was. He was the brother of King Edward the Fourth. Um, Edward the Fourth uh, had defeated Henry uh, the Sixth uh, during the Wars of the Roses, which were the wars between the two ruling families of. of uh, Great Britain, uh, the Yorkists the, of the White of the White Rose and the Tudors of the Red Rose, um, or the Lancastrians of the Red Rose, more accurately, uh, who'd been squabbling for about seventy years on and off. Uh, they were actually two branches of the same family, but uh, both had a claim to the throne. Both uh, they fell out, as families often do, and they'd been feuding, which led to the Wars of the Roses, which went right through the fourteen hundreds. Um, until uh, 1485, when uh, Richard uh, Richard III, brother of Edward IV, who died. Edward IV, when he died, he left two sons, uh, which most people will know as the princes in the Tower, uh, because they were incarcerated in the Tower of London uh, at the instructions and orders of uh, Richard who was then still Duke of York, uh, Duke of York. and uh, they mysteriously disappeared. Uh, what the eldest son, another Edward, would have become, Edward V of England, 
a title that later became uh, was used by. Well, in fact, he was Edward the uh, uh, Edward the Fifth, um, because when Henry the Eighth and uh, his son took the throne, he became Edward the Sixth. So the Tudors did recognise that Edward the Prince was in fact Edward the Fifth. So that was who Richard was. That was Richard was was doing pretty okay as king. He was a very fair uh, support. He, he was a, a loyal supporter of his brother Edward, Edward the Fourth, and had uh, ruled the north of England uh, for Edward, uh, ruling from York as the Duke of York, and was was renowned for his fairness and his justness, and was um, acknowledged to be a a, a good. Um, overlord but and, uh, I mean it, he was the last king that was killed in battle right and he uh, didn't serve that that long he, well, he one, only served for what two years well there's one for the occultists here because he served for 777 days as king um, because he had he had Edward uh, he had Edward the Fourth's sons declared illegitimate and therefore not eligible to rule, he locked them in the Tower of London. He claimed the throne for himself as uh, you know, brother of the legitimate King Edward the Fourth, who died, uh, and he then ruled for seven hundred and seventy-seven days until that fateful August day in fourteen eighty-five, when another usurper. Because people forget that, you know, people say that Richard used the throne from, from Edward V, uh, the young prince. But then he himself was usurped by somebody with an even more flimsy claim to the throne. Um, one man who was born only a mile and a half from where I live, uh, Henry Tudor. Mm-hmm. Uh, hence who, the House of Tudors. And... Hence the House of Tudor, uh, which is a Welsh bloodline. And uh, Henry, became, Henry Tudor became Henry VII father of Henry VIII, a notorious king for having many wives and beheading anybody who didn't agree with what he, what he said and did. Uh, mm. uh, he disbanded the monasteries. He changed England from a Catholic nation uh, into an Anglican nation, a Protestant nation. Um, and then he, of course, was father to uh, Queen Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. And this is this is bloodline has continued since then, right? And no, no, actually, it hasn't. Uh, the oh, Tudors, okay. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there are descendants of all of them. Uh, right. There are thousands of people here in the United Kingdom and indeed worldwide who are descendants of the the, the different ruling families of of Great Britain. Um, but no, the Tudors uh, they after Elizabeth died in sixteen o three. Um, the, line, the throne passed to the Stuart line, which was predominantly a Scottish line of descent, through James VI of Scotland, who became James I of England. His son Charles got booted out, out of office and uh, unceremoniously beheaded by, by, uh, by the uh, parliamentarians. And we then had a republic for a period of time. And then his son, Charles II, uh, came back from France, reclaimed the throne. But the Stuart line uh, was predominantly Catholic. We, of course, by this time, because of Henry VIII, had become a, a Protestant nation. And we were very uncomfortable about having a uh, Catholic king. So we, uh, the British invited 
the Dutch king, William, William III, William of Orange, to ascend the throne, to, which resulted in a, a, a war between the two of those. Um, so then we had the, the Dutch royal family, who didn't really... I mean, they, they failed to produce heirs and got thrown out by the Hanoverians. All right, now, so this is getting really our, complicated. Now well, I think our, we've lost our, half our listeners in this Well, no, our modern royal family descends from the Hanoverian line, George mm. I, second, and, of course, as the Americans would uh, famously remember, George the Third. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, going back to Richard, which this is his day, yeah. and, and this is what we are here for. Let's let's talk about a little bit about this uh, battle that occurred. Uh, y- do you, do you know? In fact, I, I believe you've actually been to the battlefield, correct? I I've spent uh, several weeks at the battlefield uh, over a dozen or more occasions. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a place I do know very well. What's interesting is it's the um, only quite recently, in recent years, I think about four or five years ago, they realised that the battlefield, as as has always been portrayed, um, and there's a history centre and there's um, walks and, re- and, and sort of signposts that describe the battlefield. It's all wrong. Um, they, they archae- uh, modern archaeology has, has demonstrated that the battlefield is actually, uh, I think it's about two miles further away from where it's always believed to have been. Um, but the, the Battle of Bosworth Field, um, the battlefields in Britain are always named, probably like in America, after the nearest uh, town or village or, or notable landmark. Um, a lot of times in America, we name them the closest body of water. Yeah, well, over here, it's normally the nearest town. Bosworth right. is near uh, near the town of Bosworth in Leicestershire, which is in the Midlands, right smack in the middle of uh, of England. Um, and Henry Henry the, Henry Tudor had marched from Pembrokeshire. Uh, he landed back from France as a young man uh, to reclaim the, the title um, on a beach about five miles from where I live, marched through um, Wales and into the Midlands, into the English Midlands, uh, to confront Richard III, who had a bigger army, a better equipped army, and was in a position to assist, uh, to, to put down the usurper, Henry, the, Henry Tudor. What actually happened, unfortunately for Richard, because of the princes in the tower and because of the family feuding between the Yorkists and the Lancastrians, the White Roses and the Red Roses, uh, Richard's support had started to melt away. And in addition to, um, to that, several of his, of his, of his uh, generals actually on the battlefield on the day uh, either changed sides or failed to bring their troops up in support of him. So he was left with um, an insufficient force to deal with Henry. Hmm. So there was betrayal in, in the battle itself. There was a famous betrayal in the battle. Um, during the, There were actually four armies on the battlefield on that morning, um, on that August morning. Uh, there, were, there was King Richard's army uh, and there was Henry Tudor's army. And to the side, to the flanks of the battlefield, were two armies um, commanded by the Stanley brothers, William Stanley and his brother. Um, These were lords from Cheshire, um, which is close to Liverpool, Chester, uh, where I was born. And the Stanleys were were a very 
powerful family, um, and they had brought two additional armies, their own their own armies of about four or five thousand apiece, to the battle, ostensibly to support Richard, but they held off while uh, they they stayed well out to the sides of the battlefield, not engaging and not not taking part in the battle. Indeed, Richard sent emissaries to both sides to to say, you know, are you coming to support me? I need your help. You will you will come and. Uh, you, you, you will will help me. Uh, the, Stan- the Stanleys were were also closely involved with Henry Tudor because um, William Stanley was married to the sister of Henry Tudor, or sorry, uh, sorry, the mother of Henry Tudor. Oh, jeez. Yeah, um, and he recognised that if he backed the, the wrong side, he would lose everything. So it, it was a you know do or die, all or nothing. And he waited and waited and waited until it became pretty obvious which side was going to win. And then he brought his army in on the winning side and claimed it. <laughs> sort of like the Italians. Uh, well, it swung the battle, but Richard, you know, Shakespeare said of Richard. A horse, a horse, etc., etc., and he was slain in the battle. Richard was was a an epic warrior. Richard was, uh, you know, he was he was no, as it said in the song. He yes, he did have scoliosis of the spine, but he didn't walk with a limp. He didn't have a withered arm. He was he was a man who had fought many battles. He was a skilled um, warrior. And Richard saw Henry exposed on the battlefield. Henry had had. Henry's uh, had left himself in a position where uh, only himself and a very small number of his bodyguard uh, had were to one side of of the the main battlefield, uh, and Richard saw the opportunity to deal with the usurper, and he galloped full full tilt across the battlefield with a small number of his own uh, bodyguard, and he got as close as Richard himself uh, killed one of Henry's bodyguard. He got within the sword's length of Henry, and yeah, but but for a you know a quirk of a, a fate, um, a sword blow, he would still have we we would have had Richard uh, you know would have been king at the end of the battle, and we would have uh, we would never have had the Tudor, Tudor dynasty. Right, he you know there was uh, you know some people believed he was a great warrior, and other people believed that he couldn't have been because there was. Uh, spinal def- uh, uh, what do you call it? Spinal um, deformity. Deformity. Thank you very much. And uh, I saw this great BBC program on it, and what they they did is they actually got uh, a person of Richard's stature and deformity, and was able to put him in armor and uh, put him on a war horse and, and he was able to fight in, in, in battle. In fact, he himself said that the armor had actually helped him feel better and, and able to uh, hold himself better. Uh, so it's interesting how uh, you know th- they do these tests. It's kind of like what we do in the paranormal. You know, you debunk, and I guess they call it. And I hate that word. You know that. Uh, but are trying to prove or disprove a thing is is that you do experiments and to try. Uh, we can't say 100 percent sure, but we we show that it's the possibility that this could have been done. 
Well, I think there have been some amazing discoveries about Richard. Um, we've learnt that some of the things that were said about him were actually true, the, the fact that he did have the twist to his spine. We've learnt that a lot of things that have said about him were untrue, that he was a very capable warrior and he was more than physically capable of uh, maintaining that role and fighting effectively. Um, so in that respect, he was uh, that that bit was demonstrated by the by the by the bones by the skeleton to mm-hmm. have been to have been a, a myth created by the Tudors. What's also interesting is they discovered his facial features were very very similar to the to that of his famous portrait, the the existing portrait of Richard, but with one crucial difference or two crucial differences, I should say, that very recently, only within the last couple of months, uh, using DNA extracted from the skeleton, they've discovered that Richard was in all probability fair-haired and blue-eyed rather than the dark hair that uh, was portrayed in the uh, in the portrait, the famous portrait that he has uh, jet black hair uh, and that's how he's always been portrayed in, 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 in drama within Shakespeare. Uh, now that's interesting because they they actually unveiled his, his facial features in a special presentation from the skull where they re- reproduced right. it, used for rings and stuff but I believe in that one they did have dark hair that's right, because the, the discovery relating to his hair and eye colour only came about even after that. It's an even more recent discovery. And it's if you look at portraits of his brother, Edward IV, um, Edward had fair hair and blue eyes, well, a red, reddish fair hair and blue eyes. So this discovery that Richard also shared the same sort of general uh, colouring as, as his brother is not that surprising. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the interesting thing. And, and of course, now, I mean, the amazing thing, the discovery of the bones, and we're going to talk about the discovery of bones in a little bit. Uh, but the they actually were able to tell by analyzing the bones. And, uh, for instance, uh, you know, uh, they were taking sheep, sheeps and they would hit them with swords and stuff to see how the, the bones would match up against various weapons. And they actually were able to determine how uh, – Richard died in battle. Which yeah, and it was a very fascinating, and a What's very horrific. And it was a it was a horrific death. Um, the final blow that killed him, they said, was a sword blow to the rear of the, to the back of the head, which um, took a chunk out of the back of his skull, uh, hit his neck, and then went straight into one of his shoulders. Um, you know that that was the killer blow, but there were other blows as well. He had a a, a war hammer, which is like a giant ice pick, effectively through the top of the skull. What they yeah, weren't that able- was a, yeah. What they call it? It's, it's a dill or a um, uh, what's the word? Halibut? Halibut? Yeah, uh, yeah. That's halibut. It's a big. Halibut. It's a, or a, war. It's a big. It's a well, long pointed axe uh, with uh, a point on it. It's on a long staff that's used to uh, um, no, no, remove. That- Remove, yeah, so, remove uh, riders from uh, horses. Uh, that's the primary uh, use of it. Or, or, it, or it could equally have been a device called a warhammer, which looks like a big ice pick. They have the same, um, they have the same end on them. Um, there's no way of knowing which weapon was used. Uh, but looking at bones from battlefields such as Towton, another of the War of yeah. the Roses battle uh, battles that was fought 20 years earlier. Um, there are some again the the, the level of ferocity and uh, violence that was that was um, 
experience in these battles we can we cannot imagine today it doesn't compare to anything in the 20th well, century well the interesting thing about it is is the bones were analyzed by the university of uh, Lech, 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 Lester, 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 right? And there were a total of eleven wounds on him. Uh, nine of them were to the face, uh, to the head, and um, most of them. I, I mean, during that time, uh, Richard had armor, and he those wounds would not have been fatal because uh, if he had his helmet. So they now believe that he he That's did right. not have his helmet on at the time. Uh, or or he, equally, the the uh, he was also he was also uh, dismounted at the time. And in fact, some of the wounds they believe uh, f- were from uh, post mortem, and uh, there were no defensive wounds on his arms or anything. So uh, they believe that he was armored uh, during the battle, but uh, somehow he either lost his helmet or his helmet was removed, uh, removed before he was killed. That's that, that's absolutely the case, and there are cases of from from other battles as well where um, it was nearly impossible to fight for a sustained period of time whilst wearing a, um, a a helmet because your vision field would be very obscured by the visor um, and the protection, and also you would get incredibly hot. And what a lot of um, what a lot of knights did actually in the in the actual heat of battle would remove the helmets. Um, there are there are several well documented examples in, in British battlefield history where a, a prominent commander um, or, or general or, or troop leader uh, was on the unfortunate end of uh, a weapon because he took his helmet off. Um, you're absolutely right about the the post mortem wounds as well because again um, it was it was often the case that once the 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 person was down everybody would would uh, sort of lay into him. Mm-hmm. Uh, to spoil the body and also to claim that, that their part in the killing, you know, there was this ritualized killing that went on as well. And in fact, as Richard's body was taken uh, into Leicester afterwards, um, you know, there was continued brutality against his corpse. Right. He was actually, uh, they showed one of the wounds, I think, uh, in his rear where they, where they believe he was slung over a horse when that yeah. one was. Uh, and yeah, when that one occurred. So, I mean, it's really interesting what they can discover from uh, the bones. And, and the interesting thing about that, of course, is being able to find a descendant of Richard III to uh, match the DNA. And they were lucky enough to find that. Do you know that, how they, they were managed to do that? Uh, well, it was a, it was a combination of um, the, the the DNA didn't play any part in finding him, but they used genealogy. They were able to trace uh, from Richard's sister um, the, the 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 male line, predominantly the male line, down to the present day. Um, and they uh, the ge- a, a genealogist spent a considerable period of time going down this uh, down Richard's sister's male sort of descendants till, mm-hmm. till he discovered that there was a, uh, a guy in Canada and a lady living in Australia, both of whom were the, the sort of end of the, the living li- direct line to Richard's sister. So uh, because Richard, Richard III didn't have any children himself, but his sister did and th- her bloodline thrived. And what's interesting, uh, when they were having the funeral on Sundays, they had the two surviving descendants of King Richard III 
Right. In uh, fact, uh, the, the mail from Canada was actually there at the unveiling of his face as well. But anyways, I know we've run out of time, so we have to take a break right now. You're listening to Ghost Chronicles uh, International with Steve Parsons and Ron Kolick right here on Tojanet Pararex. Uh, Ghost Channel, Planet Paranormal, Crackle Radio, uh, who the heck else knows? We'll be right back after the following message to talk more about King Richard III. Monday mornings just got scarier. Tune in every Monday at 11 a.m. for another episode of Ghost Chronicles Morning Edition with New England's own Van Helsing, Ron Kolick, and his inquisitive travel companion, Lou Blassie, the professor. Hey, that's me. Each week we'll delve into the realm of the supernatural where all that is is not what it appears to be with remarkable guests, spirited conversation, and the occasional voice of the deceased. We'll bring you a whole new meaning to the term dead air. Ghost Chronicles, Mondays at 11 on Eagle Radio 1110. Welcome to Tolkienet, radio with a cutting edge. Feel the need to do some soul searching or make some changes in your life to create a more positive future? Then Circles of Wisdom is just the place for you. Circles of Wisdom is a metaphysical bookstore and more, located on Route 28 in downtown Andover, Massachusetts. We carry a large selection of books and music, crystals and gemstones, jewelry and gifts, sage, aromatherapy, and so much more, all in a relaxing and welcoming atmosphere. We offer classes on a variety of topics like yoga, Reiki, psychic development, alternative healing, and personal transformation. For guidance on this journey we call life, get a reading from one of our many readers at Circles of Wisdom, 90 Main Street in downtown Andover, right next to Bertucci's. Call us at 978-474-8010 or check us out on the web at www.circlesofwisdom.com. Lots to see and do in a feel-good place, an oasis in this hectic world. They're creepy and they're kooky, mysterious and spooky. They all talk ugly kooky, the Parax family. The shows are paranormal, not stuffy but informal. The topics are abnormal, the Parax family. They're strange, deranged, unrestrained. So grab your favorite brew, it's time to rendezvous as we give the awards to. Family. Greetings and felicitations. I am Ron Kolek, New England's own Van Helsing. And I'm Ann Kerrigan, the Blonde Bombshell. And we're here at the elegant Benford Hall, the Downton Abbey of Venice. And we would like to extend a formal invitation to you. To tune in every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for Ghost Chronicles Next Generation. On Tokenet. Parax, Ghost Channel, and Planet Paranormal. You can even listen live on your smartphone with your tuna now, or catch the podcast on iTunes. And now, time for tea. Downton Abbey, because we're dealing with a much more important figure in British history. A what could real, be more important? I heard that real one figure, more year. A real figure in British history. Mm. 
Well, before the break, we were actually talking about the body um, mm-hmm. and the the fact that we've been able to get so much genetic information from from the from the bones of Richard. What's interesting, though, is the finding of the body because he, he was the very first. It was the very first time that the the body of a of an English king lost to history. Um, had been recovered, and it was, and it was an extraordinary. I mean, almost as extraordinary as finding the the, the skeleton was was the story of of the finding of the skeleton. Before because, we talk, go into the the uh, skeleton, let's let's talk original. After his death, what what happened to the body? Uh, well, it was actually given. Richard was actually given a uh, a good a good burial. Henry Henry Tudor ordered that to be so. Um, he ordered that Richard's body uh, initially had been stripped and dragged it uh, on the back of a horse into the streets of Leicester and despoiled. But Henry um, ordered that Richard Richard's body be buried in um, I can't remember the name of the monastery now in Leicester, um, but that. Uh, it, it was, and Richard was duly buried in front of the altar uh, inside the uh, the monastery. So he was, he, you know, Henry did make sure that Richard had been. He was an anointed king of England, after all. Uh, Henry may not have agreed with him. Henry may have usurped the throne, but he was still recognised that Richard was a an anointed king of England. So what happened after he was buried in the monastery? Well. <laughs> Uh, some years later, um, Henry VIII came along, um, and in order to secure his marriage to Anne Boleyn, it was necessary for him to, to declare himself head of the church in England, uh, which resulted in the dissolution of the monasteries, and the monastery was duly uh, sold and pulled down, um, and the, the site of Richard's burial lost. Until... Uh, two or three years ago. Is it because they dug them up again, or is it just in the ruins no, of the, the... No, no, they basically flattened the building and just left him where he was. He, he, he'd been untouched since the day they put him there. Um, mm-hmm. And, of course, you know, as the, as the, because the, the monastery was close to the city centre in Leicester, um, over the years it had been developed and developed, uh, and the land had, you know, had, had had different uses, and it had ended up as... A car park for the uh, town council, the city council. Hmm. Uh, what was, I mean, the, you then go into these sort of uh, series of bizarre coincidences. Um, people always, it was always known historically that he was there somewhere, and so that there was there was a movement within the Richard the Third Society to at least look for the body, and they knew where to look. They knew where this monastery had been. Um, and so they had a, a good approximation where where they thought he might be. Um, one of the people who was uh, leading the the voices for Richard to be excavated, um, re, you know, uh, she, she claimed to to be psychic. She claimed to be sensitive and claimed to be in direct communication with Richard. Um, really? Who, who who indicated his you know where he was and where they should dig? <laughs> what was most bizarre, and I'm sure you've seen the program when they actually uh, they they did of course film um, before the excavation began, and it was it was absolutely the case that the very first hole that they dug came right down on top of Richard the uh, Third. Mm-hmm. They came down upon a skeleton. They 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 knew they were in approximately the right place, but. 
then they dis- they made this discovery from you know, with the scoliosis and the positioning of the body that they almost certainly had Richard, um, but uh, he was under a, he, he was underneath a car park and he was underneath a car parking bay that was reserved and so had the letter R painted on it. Isn't that amazing, huh? Uh, so he and there was only the one. Um, so out of this group of car park these individual bays, this one had the letter R painted on the tarmac um, and he was directly underneath it it was it was almost a spooky co- it was one of those coincidences that you can read you know you can read into if you want to but it does make for a good story and of course it makes it gets people interested it gets people fascinated um, and it you know it, it it's it's part of our, our joint history mm-hmm Still there? Yeah, still okay. here. Yep, thought you dropped off on us. Yeah, it, it's uh, it's an interesting story. When I heard about that, I thought, yeah, it's just something that was made up. But uh, the more <laughs> I read about it, yeah, it was there. Yeah, and they, they did, fi- they did find it on the, the first letter. crack of it. So that's yeah, pretty amazing. Sure. What's also amazing is they've na- they now believe, um, and we should hear more about it in the next sort of year or so, that they now believe that they found another of our lost kings. Uh, archaeologists are now starting to dig, I think it's to uh, King Alfred the Great. Um, they, they think that they've finally located him as well. So we might be seeing another English king um, restored to, uh, well, given a decent burial at least, and not lost. Mm-hmm. So, Richard, uh, I mean, that that was, uh, you know, when they dug it up and they, they, they had a... F- I mean, the woman was positive, but they really had no proof. It, all, when they had, all they had was basically a skeleton. But one of the telltale times, telltale signs, of course, was the curvature of the the um, backbone. That's right. They 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 knew that they were in the right place, um, that they were in front of where the altar had been inside the the monastery church. They knew that Richard were, uh, did, or Richard was reported to have had a spinal deformity, and they came down on a skeleton with a spinal deformity. Now, of course, the the news the newspapers ran over the hills and far away and said that they'd found him, and the scientists and the archaeologists have said, "Well, hang on a minute, we found a skeleton. Yes, it's got a a twisted spine, but we don't know for certain." That's where the DNA came in because. Uh, because we were talking before the break about the genealogists tracking down the living ancestors of Richard, they were able to, uh, to match the DNA to the DNA that they recovered from the skeleton and then be absolutely sure. Um, and they made a big, um, if you remember, there was a, a big uh, international press conference held in Leicester at the university there where they said, we have found the body of King Richard III. Right. Absolutely. So what's interesting is, you know, we in in uh, English history, we, we hear lots of ghost stories. We, you know, I mean, Mary, Queen of Scots, she's everywhere. Uh, you know, she's she gets around, let's put it that way. Uh, but do we hear many about Richard? Um, almost none. I've I mean, <laughs> there are a few more since they found him. Um, you know, because it's become a, another of the popular ghost hunting venues that particular car park in the adjacent council building uh, but no he's one of the kings that are absent from from our uh, sort of ghostly cavalcade of royalty that we have over here um, there are 
Most of all, if not all of our monarchs are represented by ghosts. Um, in fact, there's only you know, it's actually quite a small number in terms of the number of kings and queens that we've had. Um, but Richard isn't isn't notable for his ghostly appearances from beyond the grave until you know, quite I, recently. I know uh, Kristen in the, the chat room way back. Uh, she said asked if the car park was haunted, and uh, well, is it? Um, well. When they when they found the body, um, there was a few of us uh, discussing exactly that uh, on that idea on Facebook, and we was uh, how long will it be before somebody goes along and does a ghost hunt um, and takes along a spirit box or uh, another device and, and claims that they've been in communication with Richard? And I think it was, it was within a few weeks. And there are certainly groups, uh, event groups, um, who have taken members of the public on ghost tours. Uh, to that and ghost investigations uh, to the building uh, that's adjacent to the car park and indeed mm -hmm. uh, through the car park itself, and they have claimed somewhat inevitably encounters with the spirit of Richard the Third. Really? So, as I said, so once they dug him up, his ghost has started to appear far more often in paranormal investigations. Well, I mean that's the the thing, and uh, you know what we actually have. Uh, let me see if I can find that right now. Let me close this one. Um, I have, okay, so supposedly uh, a ghost box uh, thing on, uh -huh. okay, here we go, I hope. <laughs> let me see. Oh, yeah. Okay, now this is supposedly done at, at Donington Lear, Heath Manor House in Leicester, UK. And uh, so uh, supposedly he slept there. <laughs> I have no clues. But anyway, he probably we... slept in lots of places. He was a king. Okay, so can we play that, Casey? Can we play that? Clip, what please? is your name? Thank you so much for that. Okay, there we go. That was, of course, the ghost box. You can recognize it by that. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, that was pretty clear. It sounded like Richard to me, didn't it, to you? Um, it sounded like lots of things, but, I mean, so so what? So what? Um, you know, what does it demonstrate? Nothing at all. It demonstrates the fact that they called out, for, somebody called out for a name. They were in Leicestershire. They, we've excavated the body of Richard III. Uh, it's a of desperation. I mean, we don't know what Richard III sounds like because nobody could record him back then. Um, would, would an English king understand the concept of a ghost box? Would he be bothered? Um, it, it, it's all... <laughs> I mean, it's smoke and mirrors, isn't it? It's absolute smoke and mirrors, this idea that you can, that they can suddenly claim, based on, he said one word. He didn't say, I am Richard III, I am Richard of York, I am Richard Plantagenet. He said Richard, apparently. Now, that could be Richard Bloggs, the postman from down the road. It could be Richard's <laughs> chamber boy. It could, be, it could be any old dick, but not Tom and Harry. Um, yeah. 
that means absolutely nothing. And we, we know the problems. I mean, the problems with the Franks box are, 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 are legion, aren't they? Um, this is, this is, I think this is a case of bandwagon jumping. Well, I mean, we have uh, – th- there are other clips on the internet too. I mean, there was another group. That was, by the way, was by uh, Haunted Heritage were the ones that uh, – uh, posted on a YouTube page. Uh, there are other ones. Uh, uh, Nathan says it could be Richard Felix. That could be too. But that's uh, no. If it was Richard Felix, he'd never shut up. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> you'd have a lot more than one word. That suffice. You're right. So, anyways, uh, there are other ones. There were uh, investigators have actually gone to Bosworth Battlefield and claimed EVPs from Richard as well. Uh, is this Richard reaching out for beyond the grave now that we found his his uh, bones? I mean, because, as you said, he was very quiet. Uh, you know, there weren't too many stories about it. But now uh, there's a lot of people claiming uh, evidence that Richard's still around. Well, what's interesting is most of the EVPs that have been recorded at Bosworth Battlefield are using the old battlefield, i.e. the wrong battlefield. Um, rather than being recorded on the accurate battlefield, which is some several miles away. So Richard, uh, he's, he's obviously desperate to, to make an impact and get his voice heard. Um, so his spirit is whizzing around the fields of Leicestershire, uh, chattering on, vo- on ghost boxes. It's just silly, isn't it? I mean, it's... <sighs> Well, they. I mean, we haven't heard those EVPs, so let's let's play it being open-minded. Mm-hmm. What does he say? You know, does he come up and say, "A horse, a horse, my kingdom for horse"? That damn Henry Tudor. I'm going to get him. Uh, <laughs> you know, it, it, yeah. Why don't he they ev- say that on EVPs? Why don't yeah, you get more of that stuff? It's actually Richard. Um, you know, Richard. It, Richard is a fascinating character, and it's it was somewhat inevitable. Uh, given the the paranormal craze, I mean, you know, we had the ghost of Michael Jackson not thirty seconds after he died. Um, you know, yeah, but that fam- was on TV. That was exactly a famous person hits the media, and the paranormal groups make contact. We've had very distasteful ones related to. Uh, I'm sure you, you Americans will have heard of the Moore's murders. We've had. It's just silly bandwagon jumping, isn't it? You know, something gets in the paper, and it's a case of me too. Let's get our name. You know, let's let's do our Facebook page, get a few extra hits by claiming we've got Richard, or we've got Michael Jackson, or we've got. You know, it's just it's silly. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's no evidence out there that you are convinced that Richard has turned up anywhere? Well, you know, unfortunately, no. Uh, I would love, I would love to see, um, I would love the opportunity to speak to Richard because I've, uh, growing up as a child, he was always a hero of mine. I was never drawn to the Tudors. Um, I was always a... Uh, I was always a Plantagenet at heart, um, and I always felt that he, he had been wronged. And I would, I, there are lots of people in history I would love the opportunity to speak to, and Richard was, would be high on that list. If we could do it with a ghost box, it would be fantastic. If we could, if his ghost appeared, um, you know, it would be it would be a fantastic opportunity to hear from the man himself. We can learn from his bones, and we could. We can we can learn from the DNA of his ancestors, but what has he showed fantastic? up at 
Has he showed up on any of the most haunted episodes? Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> or any other ghost television program yet. But then we haven't had Zach. Okay. I don't think Zach's been over to Bosworth yet, so there is always hope. Um, I mean, Derek Cora, David Wells have never got messages from Richard. Although Derek, Derek did, did famously contact Michael Jackson. Yeah, I know that, but that's not Richard. I'm, I'm, I'm looking more interested in Richard. Yeah, we're, I'm we're, about Michael Jackson. You know, we're, we're in the, well, you know. Um, what's also, I mean, there's, a, there's an American spin on this because um, there's only, uh, it's a bit of a tenuous link to Michael Jackson because of the music, but there are only two kings in history that have fan clubs. Mm-hmm. Elvis Presley and Richard III. Mm-hmm. Richard III actually has an American uh, following. Yeah. Um, they said they are the only two kings... Um, or people who call kings. Hey, you know, back when I did Shack Hack experiments, Kirsten got Michael Jackson too. Was that Michael Jackson two or Michael Jackson one? So she got the second Michael Jackson. Because we're talking about Richard three. So if you got Michael Jackson two, there is okay. a Michael Jackson two. Well, Kirsten got Michael Jackson two, but she wasn't asking for him when she was using her Shack Hack. Oh, oh, that was a pun. Oh, that was so cute. Yeah. I know. I know. Well, you see, Nathan was doing one, two, three puns before, so I thought I'd join. I missed that. I apologize for that. So there is no reason for King Richard to come through, or it would so... be cool if he did. Come on, let's not let's you know let's. It would be um, you know. If, I'm just if... amazed that he hasn't come through. I mean, I mean, uh, well, he has, hasn't he? I mean, you know, I, I'm amazed that he. Ha- I I would be more amazed that he hadn't. Let's be honest, because we were talking about before about bandwagon jumping uh, with Michael Jackson and other famous people, you know, celebrity in the news, dead celebrity in the news, ghost hunters get, get in on the bandwagon. I would have been truly amazed and astonished if the ghost or spirit of King Richard III had not made an appearance on Facebook, on the internet, on paranormal YouTube. Mm-hmm. And he hasn't let me down, or the, rather the ghost Hunters haven't let me down because Richard is has been popping up like you know all over the place like a like a man possessed. He's he's been very busy since they dug him up. Right, right. Well, maybe you know he's finally free. So you know that some hard top was uh, holding well, him down, will, pretty will much like go, they used to do with the witches' like, graves. You know, pour cement over him and keep him in the ground. Or will he go quiet on Thursday after they give him his proper reburial? So let's talk a little bit about I know we're getting towards the end of the show, is is now they've dug up the bones and uh what was how did they decide where to bury him and, and so forth and uh and what's you know, I've already seen like funeral processions. can you explain a little bit about the process to us, uh, Steve? Yeah, sure. Well f- first of all, what what happened is because Richard was the Duke of York, um there was an assumption that he would be buried at at York, which was the town, the city from which he had his power base in the north when he was uh, the Duke of York, um, and where all his uh, support came from. But, of course, he was buried originally in Leicester, and Leicester had a claim on his body, and it it was a little bit unsavoury. He was, like, squabbling over the bones. Uh, But nonetheless, it was decided that Richard would be buried at Leicester Cathedral um, after the scientific research on the skeleton had been completed. Um, Richard, there was a campaign which I supported and a number of other people did um, here in the UK that 
Churchill should have a state funeral, a formal state funeral, as would be given to, uh, for example, uh, our, our present queen when she dies, mm-hmm. um, or her, her father, because he was an anointed, uh, you know, uh, king of England, and he should, you know, by right should have had a state funeral, but that was that was somewhat thrown out by the politicians. What they've decided to do is to do uh, that on Sunday night last, which was shown on British television live, that they showed uh, Richard's body was taken um, from the university out to the battlefield of Bosworth, where um, reenactors uh, paid tribute, and it was a fitting tribute. It wasn't it wasn't tawdry in any way. A fitting tribute to Richard. Um, the body with a procession of mounted knights uh, uh, then made its way into into the city and to uh, the cathedral and thousands turned out along the route to throw white roses because the white rose was uh, um, the symbol of the Yorkist house, the house of York mm-hmm. um, then in the evening uh, there was a service, a service of uh, um, commemoration for Richard which I, I, I'll be honest, I found a little bit distasteful because not one, you know, there was no member of the British royal family there, and there was no leading politicians there. They were all notable. Well, there were uh, there were royals there. It's not. There was wasn't, my, the, the, wasn't the there queen was or no, was the, no. But you're dealing with a uh, you know, it was the funeral uh, um, service for a king of England. Let's not forget that, um, and not. None of the major politicians saw it as a photo opportunity and could be bothered. However, um, the body will then that will now lie in, in, um, in, in the cathedral until Thursday morning, uh, where people and they are literally queuing for hours and hours and hours to pay their respects to, to um, Richard's. Richard's. Is it uh, a closed body. coffin? It's a closed coffin, and it was actually made by uh, the Canadian who was who is his living descendant. Oh, yeah, he had the he had the privilege and the honor of and he was a very self-effacing man, a very quiet man. And he was given the honor of actually making casket for Richard. Uh, the, the casket the, will lie will lie for three days until Thursday morning when the official reburial, uh, the, the coffin will be transferred from um, its present position within the cathedral to the opposite end of the cathedral where a proper memorial is being constructed. And I understand that uh, members of the royal family and politicians will, will be present. Uh, so it's been, it's been a fitting send-off. Some would argue is, we is, should have had a state funeral. Is it, is it going to be in the ground, or, or are we talking a tomb, or...? or... I understand he's he's going to be interred in a vault beneath the cathedral floor and a monument placed above it. Uh-huh. Well, it should be uh, interesting. Uh, uh, do we do we are they going to have a, a likeness or I don't know how the, do you bury your kings do you bury them with likenesses or are they just plain um, most, walls? Most, most often um most of our medieval monarchs, um, up until 
Uh, well, most of our medieval monarchs up until about the seventeenth century, eighteenth century, were buried in effigy tombs, where they would have a uh, an alabaster or marble effigy. What they will do with Richard, I don't know. There's been some quite modern touches to Richard's funeral, um, which were a little bit strange considering he was a medieval monarch. But there have been quite a lot. There have been some touches. They show they had a fifteenth century Bible and a replica of his uh, medieval crown. Oh board. yeah, excellent, excellent. Um, Anyways, that was the uh, pizza bell, which means yeah. uh, pizza from the dead seals. Who we got? Because he never about. had pizza. Who, Richard? Richard would never have tasted pizza. How do you know? Uh, because do you know when we, pizza was invented? Uh, I don't think we discovered Italy, did we? <laughs> I know, I know, I know that I know that the uh, Pope got his pizza. Yeah, that was cool. Pope got yeah. pizza, and he looked. He, yeah, it was four cheese, apparently. They said. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. Uh, it, it had bell peppers on it too, nice yellow peppers and uh, white cheese, uh, the colors of the Vatican. So there you go. You can't beat cool, that, so. can you? No. Yeah, so anyways, we've got to wrap it up. I do want to mention uh, that my continuing work on the uh, Thomas Glenn Handel and Red Light Seance is continuing uh, this coming month, uh, first Tuesday in April, uh, if you go to Circles of Wisdom in Andorra, you can register to come to that. Uh, it's going to be held at the VZ Estate, and it's starting to heat up. So uh, by the time you get over here, Steve, I'm hoping that we'll have uh, objects flying all, room, all around the room for you so that uh, I can... Yeah, you, get them, uh, you get them warmed up for me, Ron. So I can uh, impress you with it. You know, I, I know that you're kind of a naysayer, and and you're oh, yeah. when you get when you get in the seance, the spirits don't, you know, I, the spirits don't, I, the spirits don't like to talk to you when you're in the seance. I, I feel that. an affinity to Richard III, another person who, like me, is getting his history rewritten for him. Uh huh. So, anyways, no, Casey says nine nine ninety seven A.D. The first pizza. Thanks, Casey. That was. I thought that, I thought that was the price. I thought it was nine. Ninety-seven dollars, American dollars. No, no. So we got to go. It's the tunes. So till next time. Good night, from, God bless. Uh, Ghost Chronicles International. Good night, God bless. to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us good law.